0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another in the podcast series Leadership Perspective in the Field. And today, I'd like to introduce Bjorn Schicht. I'd like to, Bjorn to just say a few words about his background. Bjorn, welcome.
1: Yeah, good to see you again, Tony. I worked for 17 years in the, um, in the corporate world in operational, uh, executive and consulting roles uh, worldwide. Then I quit my job and uh, started a startup. Um, that didn't really work out, uh, didn't fly, but I learned a lot for, uh, you know, during two years. And then at one point, uh, I realized that a lot of former colleagues of mine, uh, approached me and asked me, you know, what, what can I do with my team? What can I do with my boss? What can I do with my career, for instance? And I thought like, Hmm, this is quite interesting. And then I decided to find out how you can become a coach and uh, a leadership coach. And somebody, uh, close to me from, uh, an academic institution said, either you do um, INSEAD or you do, I should say Paris and uh, university of Oxford, uh, a master in coaching consulting for change. Um, or you have to follow course courses and, uh, but this is probably the best. And I signed up for, uh, the latter. uh, graduated in 2020, early 2020. And, um, I've been coaching since, uh, since three, four years. And usually it's, uh, uh executives and always in leadership.
0: Excellent. Um, One of the things, actually, I'm uh, curious about is your research into psychological safety, and particularly in your research, you you study uh, CEOs. Um, I wondered if that's had an influence on how you would describe leadership.
1: Um, Yeah, I think what I found important in my thesis was to... Uh, to go back, like the context of leadership, why leaders are like this. And and, uh, even though my tutor wasn't really uh, supporting it, um, I um, uh, really wanted to look into, you know, like the past. And I started in 1880, where people, um, the only thing they had to do was just push push a button on a machine and what they would get was food and housing. It was the only thing they cared about. So you would have leaders or managers or whatever you want to call it, who just told people what to do. And now when we are here in this area of an era where the, um, where we're reaching the the upper, uh, side of the muscle of period, it's people need more. They need self-fulfillment. They need to, you know, like you can work, work anywhere. If you are a knowledge worker like us, and, um, that gives much more power towards the, um, the workforce. And therefore I think leaders have to, well, I mean, fortunately, most of them have moved away already from command and control towards mm-hmm. an empathic style of leadership. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so it's, it hasn't changed. I think it's more like, um, and probably we'll discuss it later. It's like part of a repertoire, of empathic leadership mm-hmm. to create psychological safety in a team, which mm-hmm. um, is one of the drivers of performance mm-hmm. that has become much more important than in, uh, in the past.
0: Okay. Thank you. The first question is around where you personally have had to demonstrate leadership. And there may be a situation early in your career or later where it was a major milestone experience for you, something that's remained with you as significant. Can you think of such a situation?
1: Yeah, there are many, many occasions, actually. And I think it's important to to acknowledge that the way I see it might not be the same as people that were, you know, part of the team might've seen it. But I think if you would measure leadership in terms of engagement and commitment of people and productivity and ownership of the team, I think actually in the company that we used to work for, uh, there was a period where um, uh, I worked for the, the region, Eastern Europe in commercial excellence. And there I must say that I'm, extremely proud of the team, you know, that we managed with, I think in total like a hundred people, you know, spread out mm-hmm. for 10 countries to achieve so many, um, yeah, results and projects, which were probably the company wasn't even ready for it, you know, in terms of analytics, big data, mm-hmm. and probably it was also a little bit too much. And, um, but I must say that I, I think this is how it shaped me in terms of leadership that I felt I was part of it. And sometimes as I said before, you know, you have a repertoire between sometimes you have to be tough. Sometimes you have to be very empathic. So sometimes mm-hmm. you have to be coaching mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I still have contact with a lot of people from this period. And, um, yeah, I think it was, there was a good achievement, I think as a team, and this is, I think what leadership is about.
0: And how long were you associated with that team then?
1: It was one years. And then I got promoted to do it for the whole of Europe. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think in total two and a half years. And, uh, yeah, with the whole of Europe, it got a little bit, I think, bigger and more complex, and mm-hmm. uh, um, because then you have also different cultures, um, different influences, different stakeholders, and also you know in terms of market maturity as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so two and a half years in total.
0: So in in the first period before you got promoted, was was it? Fairly straightforward, or was it challenging to actually um, get that team working how you wanted it to work? Uh,
1: I, I, I think I like to lead, not you know, I like to tell people what to do, but I like to you know to to have a vision and to put this into practice and find out you know what are the the, the right people for it to do it. Uh, who are the people that have the right skills or or talents or yeah. Uh, um, uh, ambitions or aspirations and put them together. And I think we managed, um, one of the things that I, I also learned is that, um, is that you don't have to have like a, a straight line towards a direct report. It can also be a dotted line mm-hmm. as long as you can empower these people. And I think this is, um, yeah, what we did, we called them champions. So we had like a lot of champions in, 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 uh, for, for certain projects in, um, uh, per country. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot about empowerment and a lot about, you know, giving them the tools to make their life easier. And uh, I think that's also one of the, yeah, I think the responsibilities of a leader to make sure that um, you facilitate the mm-hmm. work of uh, of your teams. And I think, um, yeah, that worked well. But again, that's my view. I don't know. Maybe other people see differently. But I, uh, yeah, that's the impression that I had for myself.
0: And then, when after the promotion and you took on a broader responsibility, the challenges were a bit more difficult, were they?
1: Yeah, politics. <laughs> the higher you come, the more politics, the less work, and uh, yeah, that was. Uh, and I've always been the youngest, and I felt that I was had to prove myself towards. Uh, my peers who were 10, 15 years older. And um, yeah, so that was uh, yeah a little bit more challenging, I think, than uh, when you're just below the radar. But then mm-hmm. you just move up to the radar and then you can d- get into um, a different territory.
0: Similar question, but more where you uh, have observed someone else demonstrating significant leadership that created a milestone event or a breakthrough. Can, can you think of such a example?
1: Yeah, I was one of my, um, uh, my favorite bosses actually. Um, mm-hmm. I was his assist- assistant. He was part of the expo in, uh, in the company that I worked for. And, um, I worked for him before the, um, uh, financial crisis, mainly on, um, expansion. So this was 2008, 2009, 2010, that period. Mm-hmm. And before the financial crisis was all about expansion. And then I uh, was assigned to, to lead a project about restructuring, um, cost-cutting, um, re- downsizing, being, becoming more efficient with what we had, you know, like cutting out uh, production lines, mothballing. And that also had an impact on the workforce and also impact on responsibilities. And um, I remember, and that's more, maybe I romanticize it a little bit right now, but the feeling that I got is that um, people that were reporting to him um, and also people report management teams that were reporting to him, uh, They had to come to Zurich and, um, then they had a meeting with him and then after the meeting, they came out and they passed my office and I asked him, Oh, how was the meeting? And they sort of smiled and said, like, I got fired or, you know, like there's a new position for me, but it was very human. The, the, the conversation was very human. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's not, you know, nice news, but I feel very comfortable with it and, um, we have mm. a good boss. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So you think he had a a gentle way of persuading people?
1: I think it was also being authentic, you know, authenticity and also understanding that, you know, I think the human side of it is very important that you know what the consequences are when you fire somebody or when you change the responsibility. And it might be families, it might be. Finance, of course, but it might also be relocation. Uh, It might be, you know, that people are have dreams that they cannot realize. And uh, Mm -hmm. and I think he was particularly, in particular, quite, yeah, human about this and understanding, you know, where people come from. And, um, yeah, that's what I very much admired and compared to other, let's say, you know, top executives who were, I think, much more remote, much more distant. Mm -hmm. And uh, which is a style too, which is fine too, but um, his style very much appealed to me.
0: What would you say is going to be required
1: of leaders going forward? Uh, it's, um, I'm humble, let's put it like this, but I have a few. And the few is that I think um, more and more based on the experience that I have made myself um, from, from, I wouldn't say from research or science, but more, you know, what you can read about the evolution of leadership. I think, and also what you see you know, in the context of, of, of the world that we live in, I think what is very important is authenticity. Mm -hmm. It's very important if you really are your authentic self, especially because crises are coming up so fast and and leave, and everybody can leave his or her job tomorrow. And uh, and in the end, we're all human beings. So I think it's important to be authentic, to be very close to yourself, that when things go wrong, um, that the team actually knows there's a human being. It's not my boss, but it's actually somebody who's really included into the management team. The second part is actually, it's more like the top is that you have to offer a perspective to your team or to anyone, because if you don't have any perspective, there's no motivation. And I think that's very important to to realize as a leader as well. And the third part is where you set the boundaries and discipline. It doesn't have to be, you know, like super tight boundaries. It can be much wider as long as you set some kind of rules of engagement, Mm -hmm. which you can define together with your team. Mm -hmm. And the fourth part is, is the repertoire. That you have as a leader and that could be being empathic maybe sometimes even command and control if there's a huge crisis situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you actually have like a repertoire that is um true to yourself and uh, to your authentic self and it also uh, is in line with what the company finds important and what the team finds important in terms of what is your value system what is your what are your beliefs what is your attitude but also your personality because uh, that's from my research as well, is that it's not possible for everybody to be an, an empathic leader mm. and, uh, and, that has very much to do with, uh, with personality as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So one of the things, um, I wanted to ask you is this notion of psychological safety, um, an environment where people feel that they can speak up and be heard to express themselves without the fear of recrimination or backstabbing or whatever. Yeah. Um, And in some organizations that can be quite challenging to create that environment. I was wondering um, how, how does a leader create that safety and build that confidence for people to feel that they can speak out without being reprimanded
1: or whatever. Yes. I think big part is in, in, is in your personality. And, um, so one of them I'm certified for Hogan and I rebuilt Hogan into my own assessment. And, um, because what I missed it for my thesis was that, you know, like if you look at certain personality traits, um, agreeableness and consensuousness. If you talk about the big five, they're very important for for empathic leadership, which you actually need for psychological safety. And, um, um, so, which actually means that even if you're not very strong and have, you know, strong traits of agreeableness and consensuousness, you can still be aware of the triggers. You know, you can Mm -hmm. still be aware of the fact, you know, like what actually happens. And then, you know, related to Hogan, um, what happens when I'm, you know, in the normal circumstances, what happens when I'm, you know, on, under pressure and how do I react? I think, um, my assessment and Hogan really could contribute to give people an insight into, uh, their, um, how they are perceived, you know, what the triggers mm-hmm. are, and how they react. I think that's one thing. The other things could be, um, coaching perhaps, you know, if you have somebody who can actually give, you know, really hold the mirror for you and say, listen, you know, is it really necessary to behave like this? Why did you behave like this and what is the impact of changing your behavior and how would it actually contribute to, to certain goals? and I think there are also what, what came out of my, uh, my thesis what is important in terms of um, creating a, a, a team climate where people feel safe. It's, it's also about performance and for performance you need to have um, uh, a culture which he, uh, about you know like voice behavior, speak up then the next thing is like to create new ideas. You know, the people actually can create together ideas. Mm -hmm. If you have the feeling that you are uh, constantly alone as a leader, because you're too dominant. I mean, you can do this three times and then people say like, you know what, Tony, you're so dominant. You think, you know, everything I'm not going to work with you. You Mm You know, because I'm going to take responsibility for anything. I think that's, that's then the second step. And then it's about commitment and engagement. And I think if you start feeling that, um, where you have to be honest to yourself when, when team members are not anymore engaged or, uh, committed, you know, it's not because of them. Sometimes it could also be because of you, or the plan mm-hmm. that you uh, create and then a fourth that would be ownership and responsibility. And I think if, if, yeah, same thing, if, if the leader realizes that, um, there's no ownership and no responsibility, then find out, you know, why this is actually happening. And, um, and the fifth is performance in the end, you know, and, but the very important part is not, you know, not to have performance alone, but also to have uh, a job and life satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So that's the six parts. And I think this is something you can measure with the turnaround of, um, of employees in your team. Mm-hmm. So I think there are a lot of triggers, a lot of signals that can, can help the leader to, 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 to map basically what is going on, um, to be suddenly a nice guy when you're not really a nice guy or you know like a very let's say soft guy or a soft woman when you're a tough woman um then you go down to back to uh authenticity Mm
0: -hmm. um
1: so i don't i wouldn't fake it until you make it i wouldn't do
0: this beyond shift thank you very much